0: Growing up, we all had our favorite professional athletes. They may not have been the best professional athletes, but they were our guys. Some of these athletes are long forgotten, like a couple of my childhood favorites, not so legendary Chicago Cubs fastballing reliever Bill Coddle, and even less legendary Chicago White Sox slider slinger Britt Burns, while others are still on our radar, even though they might not ever make it to the Hall of Fame. There are multiple reasons why these athletes remain in our consciousness. Sometimes it can be credited to off-field stuff like, say, Anthony Hardaway. Hardaway was undeniably an excellent basketball player, but it is not unfair to say that he was a national fan favorite in part because of Nike's Lil' Penny ad campaign. You know, the one where Chris Rock is all like, That's Tyra Banks, fool! Now, there are a very small number of athletes who, because of their ad campaigns or their college careers or even just their general aura, transcend numbers championships and eras one of those athletes is Bo Jackson and we're gonna hear from the best-selling author who literally wrote the book on the two-sport terror a book that'll make it very clear that when it comes to Bo Jackson you very much have to collect this Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldscher. All right, before we start chopping it up with Jeff Perlman, best-selling author of the brand spanking new book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson, Uh, I'd just like to point out that Bo Jackson may know football and Bo knows baseball, but one thing Bo does not know is giving away books. But I do! And if you'd like to win a copy of Jeff's new book, just hit me up at collectthis@csgcards.com at with the subject header Bo Jackson. There'll be three winners chosen completely at random once again for a chance to win a copy of Jeff Perlman's brand new Bo Jackson biography. Write collectthis@csgcards.com. All right, so Jeff, um, we're dropping this on the 27th of October. Uh, earlier this week, you sir we're on the today show which is not a common thing for a sports book writer first of all congratulations on that second of all thanks for slumming it here with us and third of all how did that come to pass that's like a big deal i don't think people realize what a big deal that is
1: yeah it's actually i, I don't want to sound like this guy it's my second time on the today show uh Woo! my first was <laughs> boys We boys it's definitely hard to get sports uh, stuff on the today show um I have a great publicist, like a great publicist at HarperCollins named Maureen who's just been setting stuff up left and right. And she's shown a lot, There's just a lot of hustle. So I don't know. I don't know what she said. She probably told them I was going to dance or sing some Ricky Martin songs or something. But I just uh-huh. uh, just showed up and talked about Bo Jackson.
0: You are living la vida loca. There is no question <laughs> about that. Um, okay. So Bo Jackson, right? He is uh, kind of the hero of the junk wax era. There were too many Bo Jackson cards out there and they're pretty easy to get. Yet, for a hobby that values scarcity, he is huge. He is beloved, even here we are in 2022. So like, you know, 20, 30 years after he was in his heyday. Why do you think he is important to collectors, A,
1: and why is he so important to you? Okay, I actually think it's the same reason. I swear to God, um, there's a mystique about him. This is why I always mm-hmm. say. I wonder if you agree with this collectible-wise. Let's say Bo Jackson had wound up being Eric Dickerson in football. And let's say he wound up being like Raul Mondesi in baseball, which I think is actually <laughs> which I think is actually kind of a fair place where he would have been. That 100%. Sean Green, Raul Mondesi kinda of level of player, which is a yeah, excellent yeah. ball player. But I don't think he was a Hall of Fame baseball player. I think he was just a really good one. Okay. Um, he would be a much less interesting biographical subject. Like if we knew where this ended. It's much it's not as interesting. The whole thing about mm-hmm. Bo Jackson is the what if and the mystique and what could have been and um that big question mark hanging over him. And I, I just think like if Bo Jackson had been Eric Dickerson and Sean Green, most of the students I teach as an adjunct in sports writing wouldn't probably wouldn't know who he is. You know, yeah. I I don't think most of them know who Eric Dickerson is, to be honest with you. But they almost all know who Bo Jackson is. Because it's this whole like, man, he could have been or if you saw him do this or, oh, my God, the time he climbed the wall, which has a gazillion YouTube uh, views or him breaking the bad overs is this level of mystery that accompanies him that is unlike any other athlete I can think of because he's not a prospect who flamed out quickly. We're not talking about like Brad comments or Cameron Drew, you know, like <laughs> it's, I do those for you. I like how you
0: can pull these obscuro dudes out of your earballs for just like that.
1: I can't tell you where my car keys are, but I can do that for you. Um, <laughs> but like, he's not that. You know what I mean? Like those cards are worth four cents. Not even, no one wants to buy them because they never yeah. happened. Bo was so enticing and then he yeah. vanished. Um, do you think it has anything to
0: do with the uh, sort? I mean, it's just, you know, 2022, like I said, 20, 30 years later. That's the time we re-examine decades, right? So we're going back and looking at the 80s. We're looking at the 90s. Uh, might there be the, the nostalgia factor?
1: Oh, I mean, it's the reason I wrote the book. Like, I think we are, again, memorabilia, cards. It's not my area of specialty, right? But I can tell you sports-wise that nostalgia is the great driver of everything I do. And I think for a lot of people, especially as we get older, I hate to say that, it definitely has something a pull for us where you see Aaron Judge hit his, you know, hit, you know, break the American League record. Mm-hmm. And for someone my age, the first thought isn't, just being honest, isn't, wow, that's amazing. The first thought is, oh, man, but he's not as good as blank. You know, he's not, you should have seen so-and-so. have right, seen right. so-and-so. And I think with Bo Jackson, there's a lot of, oh, you think so-and-so is great, man. You, you should have seen Bo Jackson. You wouldn't believe how good he was. Um, mm-hmm. and also, I just want to say, I always say in, in books and in sports, nostalgia moves with the time. So, like, write, like... People have said to me, why don't you do a Bob Gibson book? or Why don't you do a 62 Mets book? Like mm-hmm. Most of the people who are nostalgic for those days either are very, very old or not alive anymore. Nostalgia moves <laughs> with the time. As it ages, we age. So I think right now, as you alluded to, 80s, early 90s are the nostalgic sweet points.
0: Um, why do you think he transcends eras? Forget the nostalgia. Forget the you know, Sean Green, Raul Mondesi, Eric Dickerson paradigm. What is it about him as a figure, as a pop culture entity, that makes him so enticing for you to to spend all this time writing and researching and hyping a book?
1: All right, so there's a lot of things. Number one, there's the Tecmo Bowl phenomenon, Tecmo Bowl. Ooh. It is. It's just I, the number of times that got brought up to me. Are you going to write about Tecmo? Are you going to write about Tecmo? Yeah, I'll write about Tecmo. You're going to write. Like, <laughs> that really did something, like, really did something. And there's this run he makes on Tecmo that you can see on YouTube. And it's him doing this crazy run as a tech mobile player against the Chiefs. And it's been viewed like a gazillion times, like for some people. Uh-huh. I think another part about Bo Jackson is um, and this is gonna sound weird, but I think I think you might understand this. He looked really cool. Like he had muscles coming out of muscles. His uniforms, yep. if you look at like his calves and his uniforms, it's ridiculous. It looks like melons yeah. coming out of a bag. Um yeah. he played for the Raiders. So like that number 34 silver and black Raider jersey is so cool. And he didn't play for the Raiders in Oakland. He played for them in LA. You know, like, it's just, there's something about him that oozes cool. And also he wasn't a big talker. So there's not the idiocy behind the words. that so many, we see from so many celebrities. Like he wasn't a moron Mm -hmm. spouting out conspiracy theories. He was a really quiet, sort of guarded, protective figure, which adds to a mystique.
0: you've written uh, team biographies and you've written solo athlete biographies. So, you know, you got Walter Payton, you got Brett Favre, you got Roger Clemens, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a through line going on other than the nostalgia thing? Uh, because, you know, you look at it on paper, it's like Bo Jackson, Walter Payton, not seeing a, co- a, a connection there.
1: Uh, my nostalgia, that's honestly it, is like, mm. and the books I've enjoyed the least are the ones that I was not nostalgic for, like Mary uh, Bonds, Roger Clemens that you guys like, covered. It was the least fun for me because there was no, like, yeah. oh, I remember being 12. Like, I literally had a Bo Jackson poster on my wall. I literally had a yeah. Bo Jackson poster on my wall in college, in fact. I had, um, I had actually, <laughs> I was an RA my sophomore year at the University of Delaware, and you had to put mm-hmm. on your door, I haven't taught, I, I haven't talked about this in years. You had to put on your door, um, some sort of thing where people knew where you were if you were the RA. And I actually did, took, I cut out all the Bo Jackson figurines from the different sports, put them on <laughs> my door, Russell Hall A, University of Delaware, and put like Bo knows Jeff is at class, Bo knows nice. Jeff is the guy for here. It's so corny, but, but there's no through line. I just loved, I really just love Bo Jackson.
0: Well, that begs the question, then why did you wait so long to write about him? I mean, you didn't have a Brett Favre picture on your wall. No. Um,
1: it just didn't occur to me unsexy answer it just didn't occur to me (laughs) sometimes you know usually when i'm looking for book ideas um, i'll be walking around bookstores i'll be thinking about the time period i might do a google search or go to baseball reference or footballreference.com and it just never it just never hit me until about two years ago
0: yeah i I mean i know when i'm thinking about writing a book or when i talk to someone else about you know kicking around idea The first thing I always ask is, "What are you passionate about?" Right, so that would be at the top of my list. Like, if I had the time and wherewithal to to do a sports book, a a Jeff Perlman esque sports book, I would focus on the Bulls dynasty because that's my jam. I'm the you know Chicago kid. I was obsessed with that. And for what it's worth, I would love to see the Jeff Perlman take on the uh, the dynasty, the Bulls dynasty.
1: Here's the thing about that. That's that's a great actually sort of segue here. Like, um, I have three things I think about when I write when I'm planning on writing a book. I think number one. Hasn't been done like thoroughly because they're obviously mm-hmm. on everybody. There are certainly Bo Jackson books are written through the years. He wrote his autobiography, blah, 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 but it hasn't been done thoroughly and definitively. Um, number two, would I not go crazy uh, mentally spending two years to right. myself to this subject? Like Roger Clemens is my mistake book because I just didn't enjoy it. I hated the time. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. So what am I doing? Yeah. yeah. And then number three, does it have a chance of selling? There's no guarantees in this business. You don't know. But does it have a shot? Totally. Is it a big enough subject? Because I do need to eat. And I think the problem with the Chicago Bulls, <laughs> which I find fascinating, they've been covered so much, so extensively. they have been great books. Halberstam wrote a book. Sam Smith wrote a book. Uh, right. I don't know. I'm not 100% certain there's a ton I could offer that would add to it.
0: I would, I'm gonna, we're going way off the, the rails here. I would respectfully disagree because uh, I, I have actually read, I am a legit fan of yours, Jeff. I have read all your books. You have a voice, right? Sam Smith, he's got a voice. Halberstam's got a voice. Halberstam's book didn't go deep dive into the team, it was a Michael book. Um, Sam Smith's book was dishy and gossipy uh and it only covered like the first uh, the the revised edition i think had a little addendum but for the most part it only covered like the first uh two three years of that thing i think the bulls deserve a jeff perlman treatment just putting it out there all right i'm just telling
1: you if i write it i'm not giving you 20 percent
0: I don't want 20%, just a, just a little thank you. Your, your acknowledgement sections are massive. Just ma- make me one of the names. Right. Um, okay, to that end, uh, one, and one thing you just pointed out, is that I think people who don't write don't think about the fact that when you do write this book, right, you have to spend two years with this person. You have to research the book, you have to write the book, you have to edit the book, you have to hype the book. That is a long, long cycle. Now, you know, you knew going into all of this that Bo Jackson was not a warm and fuzzy guy. Uh, did your love for him LA any concerns about being annoyed for two years having a Clemens-esque experience
1: see it wasn't it's it's more about like um, is this a good story to tell would I enjoy delving into this story and the mm-hmm. complication with this book is I wrote it during COVID lockdown a lot of it during mm-hmm. reported it during lockdown and one of the joys for me in reporting is actually going to the scenes meeting people eating at the local right. dive uh, you haven't been and I did go to Bessemer, Alabama, where he grew up um, late in the pandemic, and that was great. But I feel like the greater complication, honestly, was COVID and it, it, you're sitting in front of papers at a desk, which I, I do not excel at. Um, yeah, I found his story so compelling, like really compelling, like the whole thing compelling. I love writing about the Deep South. I love writing about race relations in the Deep South. I love writing about like he was... Um, he was at Auburn. Just an example, you know. When he was at Auburn, the school was about maybe two percent African American. There was literally a fraternity on campus that hung a enormous uh, Confederate flag, and they would have during Southern Heritage Week, they would do a parade where all the brothers would dress up as uh, as uh, soldiers, Civil War soldiers. The women would wear their antebellum dresses, and they would hire local African American kids to dress up as slaves. Mm-hmm like that's the climate of auburn that he was in he um he had a teammate when he was at auburn named greg pratt who died of heat stroke a guy he was famous he was uh, friendly with in this excruciatingly hard drill that they should not have been doing like as you go along you find these really fascinating elements that grab your attention and draw you in so it lived up to what i wanted it did
0: One of the most interesting parts to me of the book, and I like it when um, uh, uh, biographers, especially ones that have uh, uh, very strong voices such as yourself, uh, insert themselves into the story briefly. Um, You discuss your one phone call, with Bo Jackson, who you said was super polite, uh, but was like, nah, I don't wanna I don't want to participate, but you yeah, my blessing. What, so without uh, your subject's uh, access, that access to your subject, that make things like really difficult, and I could tell you stories about that, which we can do off air, because I'm sure you'll like completely relate. So how did you go about it without Bo's uh, personal
1: input? Yeah, so literally sitting where I'm sitting right now, I had a phone conversation with Bo Jackson about two years ago, I'd send him, um, a bunch of my books and a note saying that I really love his story. I want to tell it blah, 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 blah. And he called me back a couple of days later. He was very nice. He was polite. And it's kind of funny because he said, he said, he said some weird things. He was like, uh, you know, cause he wrote Bo knows Bo, his autobiography with, with Dick mm-hmm. Schaap, legendary journalist. And Dick Schaap's son is Jeremy Schaap, uh, of ESPN. And I know Jeremy really well. And, um, Dick said to me, I mean, uh, Bo said to me, he's like, uh, you know, I always promised Dick if I wrote another book, it would be with Jeremy. And I was like, Mm. that's kind of weird. And I actually mentioned to Jeremy and he's like, uh, I don't know about that, but (laughs) but, uh, Jeremy loves Bo. It's nothing like that. But then, um, what the one thing that Bo Jackson said in the phone call was he's like, um, he's like, I don't, I don't have a problem with you writing the book. I'm just not going to help you. And this is going to sound dumb, but like that sort of worked for me because as I went along, I would tell people, they're like, does Bo know you're writing it? Yeah, he does. Which he did. Um, what was he saying? And I was like, well, he, you know, he's not helping me, but he told me he doesn't really have a problem with me writing it. That, yeah. that was actually pretty good. But the other thing was, is um, I came upon a treasure trove. One of the great reporting sort of discoveries, for lack of a better word, of my life, which is... After Bo Jackson, after Bo knows Bo, which came out in 1990, Bo Jackson's autobiography was done. Dick Schapp donated all his notes to the Auburn Library. So, oh wow! I would say 400 pages of Bo Jackson interviews, many of which he didn't use, um, many quotes he didn't use, taking me places, giving me insights. Not only, and it was they had transcripts and the the audio tapes. So I have all the audio tapes from. Bo Jackson's nineteen eighty nine interviews with Dick Shapp, many so of which were cool. actually transcribed by Jeremy, which is funny. And um <laughs> the stuff was gold. It was absolutely amazing. So that was just that was a huge break for me.
0: Okay, I'm going to go completely off the rails here as if we haven't gone off the rails enough already. Uh, I wrote George Benson's autobiography, and George is a lovely man, but he's super hard to pin down and somewhat of a, and this, I'm not saying anything uh, out of school here, he's a little bit spacey, for lack of a better word. So it was hard to get him to sit for an interview. So I wrote most of the book based on interviews he did for the Smithsonian Institute, right? He had like six, eight hours worth of interviews uh, and they were exact same questions I would have asked. It was yeah. all right there for me. I'm assuming that was the case here too.
1: Oh yeah. And also like the beauty is a lot of those interviews were much more recent in things that mattered. So the details were actually really crisp. Like he, um, mm-hmm. as an example, he really hated Kevin Seitzer, his teammate with the Royals. Like he yeah. really hated Kevin Seitzer and he, he was sharing things with Dick Schaap. Most of which didn't make the book, the original book, um, that were vivid. And detailed. So then I went back and I would talk to guys. Talk to guys who were. There was this moment when Bo Jackson he just is fed up with Kevin Seitzer, who sounds like someone you would have been fed up with, I got to say. And um, <laughs> he pins Kevin Seitzer against a wall, and Kevin Seitzer's eyes are starting to bulge out of his head. And everyone's trying to get Bo. Bo Jackson has his has his uh, fist, his hand wrapped around Kevin Seitzer's neck, and coaches and players are trying to rip his hand off his neck, and and Bo Jackson's not budging. And Seitzer's like ah, 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 and like. the details of that are really vivid because they were there and then i you know end up talking to siteser and i talked to different guys who were part of it and you build this thing so it actually it was hugely helpful if you could say to me i could have had an hour interview with bo jackson now or i could have the 400 pages of dick shapp's notes i take the 400 pages um what now you did
0: obviously what 400 people you spoke to i think oh man 720 who was the biggest get who was the person you're like i nailed it i'm so excited to have this person to, on the phone right
1: now this isn't that sexy of an answer but um whether well, a couple how Baird was his baseball coach at auburn and mm-hmm. he was awesome like just awesome great smart funny witty great memory really awesome um another guy who i loved and it's my second second out of three i'm two out of three with this steve young gave me amazing stuff about hosting Bo Jackson when he visited Tampa Bay when he was um, drafted by the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It was basically, Steve told me this great story how they went out to dinner. So basically, Hugh Culverhouse, the owner of the Bucks, really wanted to woo Bo. And he's like he basically enlisted Steve Young, who hated playing in Tampa Bay, to come to this dinner t- t- with Hugh Culverhouse to try to woo Bo. And they go out to dinner, and at one point, Culverhouse is like, uh, hey, I'm going to leave you two guys for a minute. I'm going to go use the bathroom or whatever. I'm going to leave you two. As soon as culver gets up and he's out of your shop uh bo jackson says uh just so you know there's no fucking way i'm ever signing here and says, <laughs> all right i guess my work is done here so uh, <laughs> he was great he's always great steve is always i mean i love that guy so um
0: you spoke to him for
1: your usfl book right yeah and he was awesome i mean he's great he's such a great talker he has a really good memory um and then there are a lot of like George Pratt was amazing. You know, a lot of those Royal guys, Willie Wilson was amazing. Like Frank White was amazing. Like those guys and those guys didn't love Bo Jackson. Like they like him now, but they didn't. Oh, and I forgot one of the great, I talked to Greg Townsend, who was a long time defensive lineman with the Raiders. Sure. And he's like, I'm like, what do you think about Bo? And he's like, eh, and I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, I tried to get him to sign some stuff and he charged me for it. And, I was, and he went on this long riff about, they're at an autograph show together, and he, he, there's like this understanding between athletes that you sign each other's stuff. I mean, it's as old right. as the Bible. And uh, Greg Townsend pulls out like a helmet and a jersey, and he's like, Bo, would you mind signing this? And he's like, yeah, Greg, that's fine, but it's gonna cost you $400. And Townsend's like, ha, ha, ha. And Bo's like, no, really, it's gonna charge you $400. And uh, Townsend was like, that guy's just a fucking asshole. So,
0: um, were there any people that you wanted to speak with that did not give you the thumbs up because Bo wasn't a part of the thing or just didn't want to talk to you in general?
1: Yeah, it's actually sort of interesting. I'm trying to think who it was, but there would be people who said, I talked to Bo and he, I talked to Bo and he said, he's not involved in the book. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. And, um. You know, because like literally I'm going through the Auburn yearbook, Auburn media guides, name by name by name by name. Some of these people mm-hmm. have been touched with Bo. Some oh yeah, actually I just want to say I forgot one guy who was maybe my best interview, actually, was Lionel Little Train James, who was Bo's teammate at Auburn, then had a long NBA NFL career. Sadly died earlier this year. And he went deep into Auburn territory. And what I mean he was really interesting. He's like, um because there's a lot of stuff about race and culture at Ala- in Alabama back in the day. Sure, sure. And Lionel James was like, you know, because back then you'd have to be like, yeah, we love the Auburn fans, they're the best, War Eagle, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, there was one game where I broke all five of my fingers. He's like, I broke every finger on my hand. And you kind of ask yourself, are these guys cheering for me because they like me? Or am I just an N-word with a ball? You know, like, is mm-hmm. that just what it is? So he was exceptional, so. And yet, there were people who didn't talk to me. There were people who said, "I know Bo. Beau. Bo's not talking to you, so I'm not going to talk either." You just kind of move on and go to the next person.
0: Let's talk about Bo himself. You did a really um, great job of evoking memories. Uh, I was not the Bo fanatic that you and I'm sure a lot of your readers were, but obviously he was on my radar um, more so when he was with the White Sox uh, because I am the Chicago guy, as I mentioned on this podcast constantly. Um, oh, you're from Chicago. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but one thing that uh, I thought you did a really great job of is bringing to life this the the athlete. Right, the the mythology, like you, you, he is a, a myth, he is a folk hero, uh, because of what he did on the field. Tell us about some of your favorite bow on the baseball
1: field, bow on the football field moments. I mean, there's so many, it's crazy. I, there, I, early on, I found a uh, there's a bio of him from um, the Auburn baseball media guide, like his sophomore year, and it goes over everything he did in like high school, and it's so preposterous. He all right. In high school, he stole 90 out of 91 bases. For, for <laughs> 90 out of 91. People don't know this also. He set the national single season home run record in high school with 20 home runs while missing games to do track. He, um, hmm. His senior year, this one blows my mind. His senior year, <laughs> he won the state decathlon for the second time while he was so far ahead that he was able to skip the 1500, which was his plan all along because he hated running the 1500. So. He, run, he wins the state decathlon um, mm-hmm. the second year in a row without running the 1,500 on a badly sprained ankle. The next day, the baseball team is playing in the state tournament. They've already used their best pitcher, and the coach tells Bo he needs to pitch. Bo has not pitched a single game that year. He pitches a complete game 13 strikeout win like on a (laughs) bad ankle the day after he won the state decathlon championship. It's so freaking preposterous. It's not even funny. Um, there's a moment he's playing, I think it's his junior year at Auburn. It's a junior at Auburn. He's playing baseball. It's the first night game, uh, in the university of Georgia's history. It's an enormous deal at Georgia. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, They, you know, they they bring. It's a sellout stadium. Lights for the first time. We're going to bring in Auburn. They all hate Bo Jackson because he's being compared to Herschel Walker, and nobody at that time Mm -hmm. could be compared to Herschel. Amazing that Herschel Walker is still in the news. I don't even know what to say about that. But he was basically being compared to Herschel. And they had a fear in behind the right field stands at the stadium. They had a place called Kudzu Hill because they had all these vines, the kudzu vines, and fans would sit out there and get wasted. And Bo's out there playing outfield. And the, the, the fans are just giving it to him nonstop. You know, N word and, you know, every home of foot, everything you can think of. Fans are just unloading on him. And um, first at bat, grounds out. They let him have it. Second at bat, he hit, and this is 39 days before the natural, the movie, enter kids' theaters. Mm-hmm. It's a home run that hits the lights. Like they put in these lights, hits the lights, drops to the field. Um, it still remains, everyone involved, the hardest hit ball they've ever seen, right? He, the place goes quiet. When he runs back out to the outfield, the fans and Kudzu on the hill who are giving him all this hell do the bowing motion collectively. <laughs> he hits two more home runs in that game. In his last at-bat, he hits a double and the fans boo him. <laughs> um some of the
0: there was one uh scene you described uh boy dragging a whole bunch of uh offensive line or defensive linemen across the field another one where I think he he threw a ball um from the uh wall uh all the way to the catcher uh basically on a rope uh how much of this stuff is legit and true and how much of it is um maybe just uh kind of mythologized uh by this
1: teller of the story right so it's an interesting thing because the title of the book is "The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson," and I did. I worked really hard to verify and double verify events. Like there's a there's a high there's a high school game where he hit a fly ball, and I talked to the uh, I talked to the outfielder for Fairhope High School who was playing outfield, and this guy was telling me how the ball was hit so high that by the time it came down, Bo Jackson was rounding third. And I, no way. <laughs> I thought I, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. So I started calling different guys from Fairhope High School and they'd be like, did, did you hear about the time he hit that ball and he was rounding third? Do you know about that? And I'm like, No. He's like, Why well, was playing shortstop? He was rounding third. I'm like, Come on. Then I'll talk to guys like I found guys who were at the game and it's like he was rounding third. It's the craziest thing you will ever see. So again, like, is it possible he wasn't rounding third? Is it possible he was between second and, th- and third? Sure, I feel like with this book and with this figure, it's okay to go a little heavier on the myth that if yeah. you're writing about Roger Clemens, like there's a certain joy in it, you know, like there's a certain fun to it. There's a wink, wink. The whole book starts with I open the book with the Chicago White Sox plane is about to crash. They're flying back from. Tell us the airplane story, Jeff. Airplane story is freaking awesome. I so. He's basically, um, they're on a flight coming back from California. Bo is with the White Sox at this point. Bo was was an amateur pilot. He enjoyed talking with pilots. And they're on this flight. And suddenly, uh, I think Tim Raines looks out the window and the wing is on fire. And he calls over a flight attendant. And holy shit. And the plane starts banking hard left. And you have all these people. My favorite is Frank Thomas, big Frank Thomas. I got this from one, cocooning himself in pillows, like airplane pillows, <laughs> so he'll absorb the blow when they land. So the whole plane is freaking out, everyone's sticking out, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, and Bo Jackson comes running out of the cockpit. And he's like, all right guys, the pilots have it under control, but strap yourselves up. And people are like, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And what's cool about that is there's a second story that he was sitting in this, in the plane, the plane starts banking, it's on fire, and Bo Jackson gets out of his seat and runs to the cockpit to help the pilots. Now, which is true, I don't know, but that's a mythology of Bo Jackson. Either he ran out of the cockpit and told everyone, calm down, or he ran into the cockpit to help these guys land the plane. Oh, and then they land. Rush him. they land in Des Moines. They make an emergency landing in Des Moines. They, it's, it's whatever, three in the morning, empty airport, and there's a kiosk. This I would verified from multiple people. There's a kiosk. With um, a beer keg. And um, chain tied. It's like there's a with a. uh, With a lock on it. And Bo Jackson picks it up. And uses his hand to break the lock on the keg. And they all drink beer out of this keg. Bananas. That that sounds legit. That sounds
0: like something. Everything we know about Bo. And his athleticism. That that he could do. Now he did have a prickly personality. We're going to get back to that in a moment. But with this airplane story. um, There was a side of him. That. I feel like wasn't really out there uh, other than in the commercials where he was charming and funny. Uh, But there were moments where he was like incredibly generous with his teammates, even after treating that
1: teammate or other teammates not particularly well. Yeah, first of all, he happens to be a nice guy and a good person. Like there's no doubt Bo Jackson's a decent human being. Like he's not he might be kind of cheap and he might be stingy and he's very protective of his image and his autograph, but I get it. Like I do get it when you've been exploited and all that stuff. But I mean, there's a million trillion stories of him taking teammates shopping for the first suits uh, of him when he was on a rehab assignment with the hip injury and he was in Sarasota, all the players show up after the game and there's a full spread of food paid for by Bo Jackson. Um, Mm -hmm. Back when he was at Auburn, I mean, their quests were endless and there's, there's this one guy named John lived in Alabama. He was a kid. I think he was 13. He's riding his bike. He gets clipped by a truck and he has to have his leg amputated. And um, he, uh, Bo Jackson finds out about this. Someone says, Bo is your favorite. Uh, this kid, Bo, you're this, you're this kid's hero. Bo first calls him up. And then like a day later is knocking on his door unannounced being like, Hey, do you want to just come outside and talk? And he gives him this long talk. And this kid, John, who was 13 at the time, is now a grandfather, and I interviewed him. And he said he was very depressed. He wasn't eating. He had no will to live. He said just Bo Jackson visiting him and giving him this pep talk changed his life. So there wow. was a lot. I'm not just saying this. There's a lot of good in that guy. This is not the story of an asshole who's an asshole. It's a guy who has asshole moments, as we all do, who's a genuinely good I mean, when Uvaldi happened, it got out that he paid for a lot of the funeral expenses. not that long ago i mean he's a decent human being he is uh i think that when the
0: book uh starts getting it's it's bunch of press which it will get people are going to focus on the more salacious stuff that the kevin sites are choking uh at one point um and this is a very great imagery on this one he was um uh, being a little
1: inappropriate with some autographed balls if you will would you care to elaborate jeff Right, well, I would say this is super salacious. This is more funny, right? When you say it's kind of more funny than like scandalous, right? It's true. Yeah. I would consider it. Scandalous. All right. So basically, he, um, well, a couple <laughs> of things. Number one, one of my favorite things is like Steve Sachs, um, when he shows up with the, he's with the, he'd been with the Yankees, he gets traded to the White Sox, his teammates with Bo Jackson. And one day um, they're playing the Yankees for the first time that year. And Steve Sachs sees all the familiar writers and he calls them all over and he's like, guys. Guys, Bo Jackson's dick is like the arm of a young black boy holding a plum. <laughs> right, and then another time, he called it a hog's heart on a fence post. <laughs> <laughs> That's Steve Sachs has a way with uh, he can turn a phrase. It's pretty good. And um, yeah, there were one time um, Bo, some players asked Bo to sign autographs, and they asked the clubhouse kid to take him over to the Royals clubhouse to sign him, and. <laughs> literally uses his penis as a wedge to hold the ball. So his penis, he's holding against his penis and his leg holding the ball. Another thing that's amazing is, I didn't see this interview going this way, but it's pretty funny. He, um, at one point he was playing ping pong with his penis and he would, he was like, alright, hit me the ball and he would return it using his his penis. I don't, I don't know how you do that, but. Was that confirmed by multiple sources? It was indeed. The Bo, the Bo Jackson oh penis goodness. stories are multiple, multiple <laughs> <laughs> um
0: to that end the book the book i think what 125 150,000 words about probably
1: 140 yeah
0: one hundred forty thousand words um that's a long book that susses out to about 350 400 450 pages depending on how big fonts are etc um
1: is there anything that made it onto the cutting room floor oh yeah there's a lot of stuff i mean he um this is not sexy of an answer but like when he was growing up he had a really close friend die in a drowning accident, and um, mm-hmm. I thought it had a pretty pronounced and profound impact on his life, but um, I cut it. like It was just too much on his youth. I know it sounds dumb, and it kind of doubled over with losing his college teammate, Greg Pratt. It became a little yeah. repetitive. And then, I'll tell you the one that killed me, actually really upset me, not upset me, but bothered me. Is, there was a run he made against Georgia Tech. That's just an amazing run, and every time I watch it, I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing, that's amazing. And I wound up calling, of all the tacklers he alluded, I think I I ended up talking to five guys from Georgia Tech who were involved in this singular play, and I was all about this play, and I ended up cutting it. And uh, I wrote a ton about it, I just cut it. Because there does come a point where it's like, Bo Jackson's amazing, this run, Bo Jackson's amazing, that run, Bo Jackson's amazing, that run. You get it, Bo Jackson's amazing.
0: Um, who who was it that said you have to kill your darlings? It was John Updike or someone like that. I don't know. Yeah, you have to kill your dar. and, and when you edit stuff and you've got a hundred and fifty thousand page book or two hundred thousand uh word book, I should say, uh you gotta cut stuff. It has sure. to happen.
1: It's almost like we were talking about our love of t shirts, you and I, before we started recording. And um you know how like you get rid of t shirts and at that moment it sucks. And then you never yeah. give it again. But then you never think of it. Yeah. Like the t-shirt's gone, you never think of it. It's kind of how it is with cutting. It sucks in the moment, and then you're like, "I'll be okay."
0: Oh, I still have uh, the cuts that I that pay me the most are the ones when the editor tells you to cut oh, it out.
1: Yes, and insertions. I don't like like you work on this flow, and you read. I personally, I'll read it out loud, read it out loud, read it out loud. Totally. Trim, trim, trim. And then someone would be like, "Insert blank here," and you're like, "Wait, don't don't you hear the flow that I'm hearing in my head?" And they do not, but we're
0: polite, we're polite people, we're nice Jewish boys. are we?, we try, we try. um, okay, you're usually pretty reticent about uh what you're working
1: on next, but I'm gonna ask anyhow, what's next I can't say on this one i am- I knew it. I can't say. I can tell you off air, but I can't tell you on air. it's too uh- Oh boy. Well,
0: I can't wait, and you know what? Lips are sealed. Um, all right, I always end these shows with bold predictions, right? And you're not a collector guy, uh, so the bold predictions are usually in the collecting space, but you are a writer and you are a, a sports fan. Um, any interesting bold predictions about what we might be seeing in the sports writing world or in the sports world uh, in the coming months and years?
1: I think the Seattle Seahawks are winning the Super Bowl this year. With Geno Smith. I'm just kidding. No, I, <laughs> that, that would have been bold though, right? Very bold. I, um, I believe that... I think Daniel Jones is the answer for the New York Giants quarterback woes. I do. Wow. I really do. I believe that more and more steroid guys are going to get into the baseball hall of fame because once they put David Ortiz in, it opened the gates and you can't just like, Mm -hmm. they basically said, we know he used, but he's a really nice guy to us. So we're going to vote him in. And that's when Mm -hmm. I stopped arguing against Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. Like there's no, all right, you're going to let him in, let them all in. That's not cool. So I actually think we're going to start seeing more and more steroid users in the uh in the hall of fame and um i guess that's all i got i don't know anything the new york jet my new york jets are gonna suck as always continue to suck that's super super
0: not bold uh the last full hero the life and myth of bo jackson available at your favorite online or brick and mortar book retailer uh jeff a legitimate terrific book congratulations on it congratulations on the today show again thanks for slumming it with us and uh we'll see you on the bestseller
1: list Thank you so much. Let's hope.
0: Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady playoff contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing, Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year-plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports card graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldshire. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis@csgcards.com.
1: at csgcards.com.